Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Deadpool 2 hits it big at the box office. Whose film do we want to see first, Lando or Obi-Wan? The psychology behind the music of the MCU. And what bands broke up before their time? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back for another edition of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly want to thank you for tuning in each and every week to both our great shows. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the man of the legend behind Humanity Media. You gotta check out all the great stuff that Humanity Media has going on today at humanicomedia.com their YouTube channel, and all their great shows on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and all those other great podcast networks. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Amigo. Hey, hey, hey. Just, uh, you know, wrapping up the weekend here. Did a little uh, binging on Altered Carbon earlier. Pretty decent show. Ready to do a little podcast and, you know. I'm glad you liked it a little bit more than I did. I couldn't get really through the second episode of it. Which is surprising because I am a huge Blade Runner fan and it does have that influence there, but I just thought some of the writing was lax. What really actually made it for you as far as enjoying all the way through the series Altered Carbon on Netflix? I'm a huge fan of the theological themes that they had going on because I'm kind of right now doing a lot of research into religious stuff just to kind of get a little a uh, little history there but um yeah they had a lot of theological themes in the show as in like how do we vision god you know do we vision god as like a being floating in the sky and if so uh they basically turn these people who are able to live these immortal upper class people into gods and it's kind of how does the modern man interpret what a god is and it's just that was fascinating to me and i you know kovach was an interesting character and in how you kind of had the uh tragedy of the sister that like wouldn't stop going after him so he had to uh, well i just probably just spoiled something for you but no kovach was an interesting character you need to watch it to the end it doesn't actually get good to like the third episode and i stopped at the second what do you know i might have to go ahead on your recommendation revisit altered carbon and if you out there are curious at all you might want to give it a try because it's on netflix i know a lot of you have it out there if you love those streaming options Watch it today, binge it, see what you think, and let us know at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com and tell us if you like Altered Carbon on Netflix. Deadpool 2 did come out to theaters. It came out very strong, just short of the original's $132 million opening, $300 million worldwide at the box office for an opening. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens because Ryan Reynolds has actually gone on record to say that he doesn't want to make a Deadpool 3 unless all of the pieces came together and it wasn't forced onto the screen and the budget was right around the size, uh, I guess, low, low wise, the, the size that will allow them to do something clever with it. So the future will tell. He said he's open to doing an X-Force movie, but as Deadpool is bringing in all this money and, you know, when the merger finally goes through with Disney or that contract gets signed, I'm sure there will be negotiations because that is something R-rated or not that Disney will want to hang on to because it does make money. At this rate, it is doing fairly well in comparison to some of the other Marvel films. So I think that that is an avenue that they will want to explore because just Deadpool has a lot of fans, big fan base and a lot of potential, especially like he's probably one of the only characters that can transition easily into the Marvel Universe he he could even be the key to making it all happen just with a few lines of dialogue and then a uh, you know a little fourth wall breaking and then that's that but uh i don't know what do you think the fact that it went right around what the original did is a great sign that there's still plenty of life in the deadpool universe an x force movie would actually be a kind of a cool movie obviously would be a lot funnier and a lot more entertaining maybe that's the way that fox can get one last really nice chunk of change. I will say this, that if he does go into the Marvel Cinematic Universe of some type and he becomes a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in some form or fashion, I would like to see him in little short bursts as far as maybe a little bit snippet here, a little bit snippet there. Yeah, but I mean, you know, if the writing is good, they will find a way to merge him in there easily, whether it's having him team up with like Thor and Hulk or um, there are characters out there that could team up with Deadpool and it could be funny and he would get along pretty well with so time will tell Deadpool is a very light character and Disney would be foolish to get rid of it or dumb down the uh, you know the NSFW parts of Deadpool so I'm I'm just as curious as you are because I know that Bob Iger came out and said that they wouldn't be dumbing down the violent the what Deadpool is you know we'll just we'll have to wait and see like I said in short bursts together with some of the other members of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if they were to do it, you know, next time around, they do an Avengers movie outside of obviously the one that they're coming up with now. But if they were ever due to a major team up again, after the 2019 Avengers film, then having him in short bursts there would be okay. But if he's going to be doing things within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like I said, I'd like it to be in short bursts, basically him doing his own stuff on the side with a sprinkled in like a couple Marvel characters that we all know and and respect and love or what he's doing now with his own universe with the X-Force and all that. So that in itself would be okay. I just, if he went full board and became one of the Avengers, I just think it would be some, an issue where he is going to get dumbed down as far as the content of what he's doing. And unfortunately that's a lot of what Ryan Reynolds stick is all about is, is being able to entertain, but having the freedom to pretty much say and do and talk about anything he wants to as Deadpool. So as long as we're done within moderation, that's fine. Like I said, he is best being at the forefront and being on his own or with a couple of extra Marvel characters on the side as help. Obviously, it would to make him super mainstream would go against everything he stands for. And yeah, the tone of the, especially if it's a Russo brother directed pick, it's not going to be something that 
he'll easily slide into. But I'm sure like one of the offshoot films, again, like Ragnarok, will have a place for him in it somewhere in some fashion. That's the one great thing about Marvel is that they've always been good when it comes to the writing at incorporating different characters, different types of characters into different scenarios. They've done a great job already with what they've had to offer. Obviously, you're going to be integrating new characters even more with Adam Warlock, Captain Marvel, and quite a few others that are going to be coming over the next few years. So it's interesting to see. I know the talk about uh, was that Captain Britain has been talked about. Simon Pegg said he's a little bit too old, but he would love to see a Captain Britain movie on the screen for the MCU. I think that's a character at some point will be represented on screen, whether it is in his own film or not. It's nice to see that Disney does have an idea on how they perceive Deadpool. And it's not just the automatic, we're just going to go ahead and and dumb down his routine as close to PG or PG-13 as possible. Yeah, I mean, that's the the great thing. Like Disney, they do beat things to death. They have a tendency to, but they've gotten a lot of writers in there now, such as the Russo brothers, that do their best to make sure that the the characters are treated with respect and they, they don't get dumbed down. They don't get change just for the sake of making a quick buck so there's there's a lot of clever writing in there and the directors know what to do and i think that disney disney especially is more willing to listen to their directors than people at warner brothers are so uh, that that is one good thing they have going for them i don't think we're going to see this happen anytime soon so it's all speculation at this point but yeah i would love to see it happen when it does but for now i i would like to see deadpool keep going in some manner is something that definitely looks like to me something that should continue to happen or not deadpool stays with fox comcast or a disney partnership with marvel once again big money for deadpool 2 this weekend 125 million domestically at the box office another big win for deadpool and another reason why Deadpool still remains very high on the list of money-making Marvel heroes. What are your thoughts on Deadpool 2? Did you go see it this weekend? Are you going to be in line pretty soon to go check it out? Is it something that you've been waiting for? And are you excited that it's doing very well at the box office? What kind of legs do you think it's going to have? Do you think it's going to be something that's going to be around for a little while and for for several weeks to come at the box office or with all the big heavy hitters coming right after it, do you think it's going to see a sharp decline and be something that does very well on home video when it comes out? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said, we've got a great show we have for you today. We've got Rob McCallum standing by in the cosmic crossfire He and I are going to decide which we want to see first, Lando or Obi-Wan, in their own movie. Also, as well, we've got Hunter Ferris from the Song Appeal podcast. He's going to be stopping by to talk the psychology of the music behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And after that, Jessica Boggs and Out of Curiosity from the TV Ratings Guide, they're going to be sharing their thoughts on the latest upfront meetings for ABC and NBC. All this and a lot more, including at the end, Josh and I are going to return with our thoughts on bands and music artists that we felt left too soon from the music scene. Hope you're going to be able to enjoy our show today. Definitely glad that we could put it on here for you. But it all starts off with my good friend 
It is Rob McCallum coming up next. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Mm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back once again with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. This is Gerald coming back right at you here. And of course, it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend, he is the man, the myth, the legend behind Rob McCallum Films. You gotta check out all the great projects that he's working on today at robmccallumfilms.com, including the latest project that they're trying to get fully funded on Kickstarter.com. That is the Galaxy of Hope, the outstanding unofficial Star Wars documentary that they want to work on, but it can only happen with your help. That's Galaxy Hope on Kickstarter.com today. And, of course, it's my good friend. It is Mr. Rob McCallum. What's up, my friend? Oh, so much is up. So much is up. I'm going to ask for five seconds as I reach to get a coffee because you're going to need to sit back and relax, and I'm going to need the caffeine to get through this. Can you can you give me a five count? <laughs> this is great podcasting, by the way. All right, so that was real. That really happened. I really had to go get this coffee because I am fired up. You, you mentioned Galaxy Hope, and I, I don't know where to start on that. There, there's been a couple cool things that have happened behind the scenes. One, the press have really started to clamor onto it. Jay's been on a lot of podcasts as of late. There's been some more written stuff. Geek Chic Elite reached out to me last week, and we had a really good talk with Jeffrey Fountain, one of the editors up there. And so that article should be out soon. And they get it. And a lot of you guys are getting it. We've introduced a $5 digital download only. So if you want this film, it's only 5 bucks Canadian, which is like pennies in American dollars. And you can have a copy of the film. So all that stuff is really good. Then we decided to, to send out some, some surveys to try to figure out, you know, how come the campaign isn't doing just as good as, as we hoped. Got a lot of really interesting information. There was one comment, though, that I thought is so internet-y, and I want to direct this person to like the closest bridge for them to go under because they're a bit of a troll, I think. And that is where trolls reside. And it's exactly this mentality that forced Jay and I to make sure Nintendo Quest happened and make sure Nintendo Quest was a thing. And this individual, it was an anonymous survey, and you know maybe I shouldn't call this person out, but they essentially said, Jay and I should not make this film because we don't have a strong enough presence as collectors on Facebook. We're not ingrained enough in those communities, so we're not going to support you. 
And, w- and what bothers me about this is that this is more gatekeeping. Like, when are we going to get to the point where we stop being gatekeepers about what other people are allowed to like and what other passions they're allowed to do and, and stop giving permission for this stuff? That is everything that Nintendo Quest was was against. It was Nintendo Quest was an all-inclusive journey, and we weren't in any of those video game groups when we made that film. And we heard the same thing. Well, who are these guys trying to make you know, a retro game movie. They're not on YouTube. What? Where? Where's their YouTube channel? And sure enough, fast forward five years later, and, and it's the same thing. And it, it just blows my mind that that mentality where people are so guarded and closed off about people that they don't know and, and protective of something for no reason, let alone a motivation like Jay and I have to do a lot of good for kids. So, so the takeaway for that is, Quit being a gatekeeper if this is who you are. And for everybody else, maybe just, you know, as one of my favorite artists these days, Frank Turner says, you know, be more kind. Just be more kind and, and realize that people are trying to do something above and beyond, something you might not understand, and for the greater good here. That's my thoughts. Well, aren't trolls slayed really easily when it comes to play? you know, when you play those RPGs and whatnot? Aren't trolls some of the first creatures that you go ahead and just get rid of with your trusty sword or your bow and arrow? Trolls are like stormtroopers. They take a lot of shots. They do very little damage. This is true. This is true. But, you know, Rob, you can be part of our secret society and everyone else out there, too, if they want. The pop culture cosmos. Pop culture community. There you go. The PCC. C, C, C. C, C, C. Rob, see what I did there? <laughs> yes, yes. I see, indeed. But, Rob, we're here to talk a lot about pop culture today. So, pray tell, Rob. What's on your mind when it comes to pop culture? Well, I've got quite a meaty slate for you, Mr. Glassford, and all of our listeners here, whether they're getting parts of it on the regular show, The Pop Culture Cosmos, where they get the the other halves on the multiverse. This is quite the meaty affair. The first thing we got to get to is what everybody is talking about. And, of course, this is more standalone Star Wars films, with Solo already having its premiere both in Cannes and I believe in Hollywood, there's a lot of talk about a Lando spinoff. And of course, there's more and more details finally revealed on an Obi-Wan Star Wars saga story spinoff. What are your thoughts on both of these? Which would you rather see first? Do we need either of these? Which excites you? Go. I would probably say for me, the Lando standalone, which was really hot uh, at the beginning of the week and, and thought of as almost a sure thing because of comments that were made to, I think, a French news outlet. And it had to be backtracked a little bit by Disney and Lucasfilm. Depending on the success of Solo, may dictate a solo outing at some point in time. Sorry, pardon the pun there. For someone such as Donald Glover, who is really hot right now as a, an actor, as a Former, you've seen his music video that he just brought out and he's all over the news and just an exceptional performer that he is obviously with atlanta on fx as well and i think seeing him as far as a standalone lando movie it would be just great i know obi-wan is going to be starting shooting i think later this year if i'm not mistaken nothing has been confirmed on either of these to a, to a full-on press release 
official notification with lando it's it's murmurs and rumors in translation miscommunication with obi-wan obi-wan is closer to a done deal yeah because obi-wan they're apparently starting production and they're working on uh was it pinewood studios where they shot last jedi and there's there's crew and there's stuff going and and it seems like okay yeah this is actually happening it's everything but the announcement but we still everybody listening we still don't have an official announcement just yet i think both are very welcome in my eyes as uh ian mcgregor's character is one of the few of the prequels that were actually interesting i would welcome a movie evolving and and showing some of the missing gaps from there and also as well i would love to see a lando movie as well but the bigger issue is that can we develop some interesting original side stories within the star wars universe with these anthology stories as well. If they're mixed in with original stories on the side, that would be great, but we'll have to wait and see if that's going to actually materialize because if we're just going to use the anthologies to just go ahead and highlight characters who may not have had enough on screen time in, in the other main movies, then I don't know. People will be seeing these as the stepchild of star Wars movies and really not taking it seriously enough. Well, let me just say that I I thought before the trilogy of origin stories were announced way back when, when it was rumored to be Han Solo, Boba Fett, and Yoda. Way back when, if you remember, those were the three that they were going to announce as origin stories. I said, don't do any of those because we've already got enough of them and we're only going to wreck what we love about the characters. But I did say, I think it would be more interesting to see a Lando movie. Because he's somebody that is a main character who we we don't get to spend a ton of time with, but there could be a huge backstory to him and a huge story going forward as well, frankly, depending on when you want to do this and the availability of Mr. Billy D. Williams. I just think that there's a lot more to mine with, with Lando than there is with Han because of how much Han is in the other films. It almost seems like the solo standalone is going to take away from that where a Lando standalone can only help those kind of things as far as an obi-wan film i mean both of these ideas uh you know are going to suffer from the same thing that we know the characters are going to survive so there aren't any big life stakes because they're going to link up with the main films at some point but i really like the idea of ewan mcgregor coming back in and i like the idea of disney paying attention to the prequel trilogy and elevating those to some sort of level where people can appreciate them more ewan mcgregor has gone on the record saying he'd love to come back and and do one and i think he's a phenomenal actor and definitely one of the the highlights of, of the prequel trilogy so I think it makes a lot of sense, and it'll be really cool to see what that story is, obviously taking place between episodes three and four, and how that might run parallel to what's going on in Rogue One. If it's going to be closer to the start of episode four, is it going to be closer to the end of episode three? We'll see where it kind of ends up. I, th- I think it could be a really fun film, though. And hopefully it will have longer-lasting effects as a film and also help gain a keener insight into those characters But I also want to make sure that it will actually have a longer lasting effect on the Star Wars universe than movies such as Rogue One, which people have already seemed to have forgotten about very quickly. But I want to make sure and let everybody know again, if you've got $5, even $5, 10, 15, 20, 25, that's great. Even more if you want to go ahead and contribute to a tier. But if you've got $5, just go ahead and go over to kickstarter.com search out galaxy hope join up today 
hang on, at least, like I said, for a digital copy, just $5. And, and you'll be glad you did because it makes so much sense for this to be actually filmed because it's going to be so feel good about not only about what is going to be shown when it comes to auctioning off this and where it's going and the charity that it's going to, but also the adventure that you could help Rob and Jay make in acquiring all these great Star Wars artifacts and collectibles. $5 gets you a digital download, DRM-free, Kickstarter, Galaxy Hope. Get to see some cool comic shops and vintage toy stores from uh, from across North America, and you get to see the impact that fandom has. It's Force for a Good, folks. $5 in the Force gets you a copy of our film. Go to Kickstarter today and check it out. And maybe next time, Gerald, we can talk about box art as well because a lot of things are happening behind the scenes. Half the series is cut now. I can actually talk about specifics because I know how it's flowing. Lots of good stuff happening there. Can't wait to talk about Box Art, the documentary. But again, another thing we got to hit on out, all these projects going just wild all over the place, Missing Mom on Amazon Prime, and Kitty, the documentary, Origins and Evolutions. Something happened with iTunes on that as well, correct? Yeah, there there's a limited sale. I don't know if it's still up, but it's 99 cents. Go check it out under the rentals. I think it's a one-week rental only. It could be your chance to check out Kitty Origins Evolutions. Missing Mom is still going very well on uh, Amazon Prime. Lots of people reaching out saying how much it's impacted them, and they're picking up the phone, calling loved ones, and going on a search for, for their missing loved ones because they're inspired by the things that we try to accomplish in, in Missing Mom and the results that we get. How are your blog numbers on uh, the reviews for Missing Mom? Still doing well? Still doing well. And, I, you know, I can imagine. <laughs> and, and I actually will... You said I could do it, so I'm actually going to release my thoughts on Kitty Origins and Evolutions on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. So hopefully that will get a better opinion uh, for everyone out there on your your very, very solid documentary covering this trailblazing band that revolutionized rock and roll when they just hit the scene and just rocked the world like no other. And hey... There should be some He-Man release details soon as well, which uh, I, I know that you're excited and looking forward to. I am. I actually uh, got a little sneak peek, a little bit of it, and uh, I have some thoughts that are ready on it. So you never know what may happen when it comes to He-Man, He-Man. <laughs> and that'll do it for this episode, I think, folks. If you have any questions for Rob and I, just let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanic Media, GameSource, and Rob McCallum Films on Facebook and at Rob McZob on Twitter as well. Rob, as always, it's great to have you aboard, my friend. I wish you a great week. I wish you continued success with the Kickstarter campaign for Galaxy Hope and all my best to you with all your projects and also the new family as well. So just all the best to you on that, my friend. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you next week. Coming up right after the break, we've got Hunter Ferris from the Song Appeal podcast. He's going to be sharing his thoughts on the psychology behind the songs and the scores of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Based on the webcomic by Sarumaru, FX Unit Yuki is now available on the PC Engine and TurboGrafx systems. With eight varying stages of hardcore 2D action, an awesome soundtrack, and intense boss battles, FX Unit Yuki gets the adrenaline pumping as you navigate through its multiple difficulties and endings. 
check out Old School Retro at its finest today by ordering a CD-ROM copy of FX Unit Yuki for the PC Engine or Turbo Graphics today at fxunityuki.com. That's fxunityuki.com. Welcome back, everyone. So great to have you part of the program, listening in each and every week like you do. It's truly a pleasure to have you out there. I'll tell you what, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is on a high unlike anything we have ever seen in entertainment and pop culture. Obviously, when you have two absolutely monumental hits that have come out this year, such as Black Panther and, of course, Avengers Infinity War, Everybody has got the MCU at the top of their list, uh, on their minds, at the forefront of everything going on when it comes to news, entertainment, and all that. And we're all excited for Ant-Man and the Wasp coming out later this year, and also what's going on next year with Captain Marvel and the actual part two of whatever it's going to be called when it comes to Avengers Infinity War, the second part of whatever is going to be called this time next year. But there's some deeper meanings and some deeper thoughts when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I brought on a guest today that I hope will clarify some of these things that you may have not on the surface thought about, but they're there, folks. Trust me, they're there. And we're going to talk a little bit today about the psychology behind some of the music when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And with me today, it is Hunter Ferris, host of Song Appeal the psychology of pop and soundtrack music. You can get it today on Apple Podcasts and all those other great podcast outlets, or just check out his amazing site, songappealofficial.com. That's songappealofficial.com. It is Hunter Ferris. And I'll tell you what, Hunter, it is so great to have you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'll tell you what. You reached out to me, and I was so thankful for it that you wanted to go ahead and discuss a kind of different topic when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because with fellow host Josh and I, we love to talk about the MCU. We love to talk about the movies and the plot lines and the characters. And Oh, don't worry. So do I. I love talking about that stuff. And and when it comes to you know the different variations as far as the comic books and all that, in your words... What did you want to talk about when it comes to the psychology behind the, some of the music that we have become familiar with when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? So I actually did an episode about this a little while ago, but the simple version is some of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies aren't really superhero movies. They just feel like superhero movies. And part of the reason they feel like superhero movies is because they use this one theme that the MCU has more or less for lack of a better word, trained us to think this is a superhero movie because of that one theme. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more because, you know, you have that, I don't want to say bomb. Well, actually, I will say it, the bombastic Avengers theme that everybody has known and loved. Although at the end of Avengers Infinity War, I will say kind of gets softer, but it's oh, I still love the, that version. <laughs> it's still the same theme, obviously, to get over a certain point. Spoilers out there. I won't, I won't go into that. If you want to check out our spoiler cast, we had that a couple of weeks ago, and you can check that out. But 
I do love that theme as well. It does get me get me you know excited for what's going to happen, whatever it is, the next scene or the next movie, what have you. But my personal favorite of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the theme for. Well, actually, it's my favorite movie as well, and I think the best overall. Ooh. Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Ooh. What are your thoughts on that one to start off with? Because that movie to me plays out more like a spy thriller. And I think that theme actually helps dictate that type of action. It's honestly amazing to see a Captain America movie that took a political thriller route. Oh, oh that was a great choice. Um, the theme is so weird. So I teach piano for a living. That's my day job. I teach people to play piano by ear. And the weird part about the theme for Captain America's The Winter Soldier is it's just a minor scale. That's it. It is a minor scale going down. So a minor scale sounds like bum, 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 bum. And the theme for Winter Soldier sounds like it is note for note, just a minor scale going down. I watched this movie and thought, why did the composer get paid? But then I was talking with a couple friends about it on another podcast, and we got to realize why it's that theme. So I want you to picture this movie. Where the entire plot line is this guy figures out that the government he's worked for and loved and fought for for years is corrupt. Where he finds out his best friend has turned into his worst enemy. Where his other best friend dies. And where everything is just going wrong for this guy. I can't think of a lower point in the MCU for Captain America specifically. What better way to show that? Then a piece of music that we feel like has bad feelings associated with it, minor minor music, a piece of music that's going down so there's a descent in energy, and a piece of music that has a rhythm that feels a little bit off. It's almost the perfect theme for that movie. It's just out of context. It feels really weird. But in context, it makes you feel exactly what Captain America is feeling. Well, I tell you what, everything in the, as far as that movie fell into place, like you said, the score – just seemed to fit the political thriller atmosphere. Having Robert Redford, he is very familiar with political thrillers and having him there as the main villain and actually one of the best villains in the much maligned line of villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Obviously, that was a key as well, but that score just really helped with it. It stayed with me and I actually have downloaded that uh, actual song and and listen to it from time and time again just to keep my motor running and keep me pumped when when i need it the most so it's definitely something that i listen to every now and then along with like i said that bombastic avengers theme which everybody (laughs) knows so much and i i love as much as well but are there any other themes out there are there any other soundtracks that that you are thinking of within the marvel cinematic universe that really strike a tone let's say for this point in time for, for that's for the best interest of the actual movie itself and how it relates to the the fans that love it so interesting okay so i just want to make sure that i'm getting your question right basically what soundtracks in the marvel cinematic universe help fans to well, feel uh, for, to pardon the pun which mm-hmm. ones hit the right note and i'm sorry i said that but but um okay so when was the last time you listened to the score from ant-man Probably the last time I watched Ant-Man on television because it's a very solid flick. I love the fact that it was like like you you were talking about at the beginning that it's a film that 
is different and off the beaten path from the traditional Marvel Cinematic Universe and that it chose to be a more of a crime thriller, more of a robbery theme. And, and uh, you know, it definitely is something that is different from the other films in the MCU. Yeah, it's the Italian job with superheroes or Snatch with superheroes instead exactly. of being a superhero movie. Like the moment when Falcon comes into the movie, I just felt like that didn't feel right. And the third act final fight scene just didn't feel right because the whole movie felt like a heist movie. It didn't feel like an action adventure movie. It's on such a smaller scale than any of the other movies in the MCU. So maybe that's also kind of like what it is as well. That might explain it. One of the reasons for me why it feels like a heist movie is that the entire soundtrack is essentially a love letter to the Mission Impossible theme. I can definitely uh, get that vibe from it as well. So let's break it down and see exactly why the Ant-Man theme feels like the Mission Impossible theme. So up until 2015, when Ant-Man was released, the Mission Impossible theme and the Ant-Man theme were two of the only pieces in the public eye that were in 7-8 time. Most pieces are in 4-4 time. There are four beats in every measure. This one's in 7-8, where there are seven beats in every measure. It very makes things, interesting. Very, very interesting. It makes things feel a little bit more urgent because everything's coming a little faster than it should. And it makes the audience think, oh, this is kind of like Mission Impossible because up until then, there were no other pieces that people cared about, at least, that were in 7-8 time. I'm going to get some definite flack for saying that nobody cared about any other pieces in 7-8. Both themes have this little short repeated musical section called an ostinato that has really, really small jumps in between the notes, really, really small intervals. They never jump further than a third. And on top of that, they have this melody on top of the intervals, on top of the on top of the little ostinato, the little repeated section. They have this melody that's based entirely around taking minor chords and breaking them up one note at a time. Both of them have basically the same structure, basically the same idea behind them. Christoph Beck just did the same idea and said, it feels like Mission Impossible. And the entire movie felt more like a heist movie because of it. I agree with you on that. It did have that feel. And obviously, it was a lighter fare. It was meant to be something, like I said earlier, on a smaller scale. And I think for a match in what they were trying to do and come up with what, like you and I both think, is for the majority a heist film that type of music matched it. And like you said, the comparisons to the Mission Impossible theme are spot on and can get that vibe from it when you're watching it. And hopefully it will... Well, I mean, ask you this. We know Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out very soon. Do you foresee something similar or do you see something that varies widely because it's not going to be a heist movie this time around? Knowing the Marvel Cinematic Universe's track record, I would be shocked to see the Ant-Man theme come in in Ant-Man the Wasp if it's not the same composer. If Christoph Beck does it again, I would expect the Ant-Man theme to come in again because that's what the Marvel Cinematic Universe does. But if not, I feel like they might have a passing reference to it, but otherwise just completely forget about it because you've probably noticed as well as I have that they don't reuse themes very often unless the same composer is scoring it. Unless it's that very special occasion like the Avengers, and even mm -hmm. with the Avengers Infinity War, there were subtle differences in the way it was constructed as opposed to the way it was constructed in the original Avengers movie. So let's get a couple specific examples. The Black Panther theme appears in Avengers Infinity War that was written by Ludwig Göransson, and Avengers Infinity War was scored by Alan Silvestri. 
Avengers Age of Ultron uses the Avengers theme, which was written by Alan Silvestri, but Avengers Infinity War is scored by Brian Tyler and Danny Elfman. Other than that, Thor The Dark World and Captain America The Winter Soldier have little Easter egg level references to the Captain America The First Avenger theme. But that's it. Other than that, if you switched composers in the MCU, you don't bring the same theme back. And over the course of 18 films, well, 19 actually, you're going to see changes like that over the course of a period of time. Which honestly, I wish they didn't do. I get why the Captain America The Winter Soldier theme came in. I get why they did that whole but they could have done just a twisted version of the first Avenger theme and it would have felt like a political thriller anyway. They could have pulled in the Iron Man 1 theme for Iron Man 3 and it would have felt right anyway. I don't really understand why they switch out their themes. I just know that they do and I understand what the effects of that are on us. It is Hunter Ferris host of Song Appeal, The Psychology of Pop and Soundtrack Music. You can get it today on Apple Podcasts and all those other great podcast outlets. Or just check out his amazing site, songappealofficial.com. That's songappealofficial.com. I know I'm going to be subscribing to his podcast today, and I think you should too as well in order to get the best type of analysis and also deep thinking when it comes to music within the pop and soundtrack realm. I appreciate so much having you on the show. Thank you so much, Gerald. Next, Jessica Boggs, and out of curiosity from the TV Ratings Guide, updating you on what went on with the upfronts for APC and NBC. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. History began on July 4th, 1776. Stay thirsty, my friends. Chubbies going back to the 1970s. No, I don't believe it. And we're back with the show. Once again, this is Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. May comes around. That's always a big time for television audiences because right now is the time for upfronts. It just happened recently. And basically what the upfronts do is is a time when advertisers and networks get together to not only talk about rates for the upcoming fall season, but also as well the time that networks make their final decisions on what shows to pick up and what shows to leave behind. And here to talk with me today about it is our good friends. They are so appreciated every time they come on. It is the TV Ratings Guide. you got to check out the TVRatingsGuide.com for the latest TV news, information, reviews, opinions, renew cancel indexes, and all the other great stuff that they have going on there. Jessica Boggs, 
She's here. And also as well, we have one of their main contributors on their comment boards. It is Out of Curiosity. Jessica, Out of Curiosity, just so glad to have you here today. Thank you. Since you're new to the program, Out of Curiosity, I want to start with you. ABC's made some major decisions on some shows. I am talking about Last Man Standing, but I'm also talking about Designated Survivor. Both seem to have different trajectories. Both had a chance to stay on the network. Obviously, Last Man Standing got canceled last year, but it has found a new life somewhere else. Regarding Designated Survivor, well, to be honest, I kind of sort of expected it. For main one reason I really suspected, suspected this is because they're getting some massively bad ratings on their time slot. They had a lovely time slot, Wednesday, 10 o'clock, and they squandered it. They were getting 0.5. Now, the problem is that was like the lowest rated show of its night. So that was an AB. And yeah, it did have good life plus seven, but the networks don't really factor that value in too much. For them, the C plus three numbers. Now, the C plus three means commercials plus three days of viewing. And the closest value to that we get is the live numbers we get on the day it's aired. That's the closest value for us, unfortunately. They're not so kind. The networks aren't kind enough to give us the actual numbers for some reason. Only the advertisers will get that. And that is what's valuable to ABC. And Designated Survivor did not pull in those good numbers. And yeah, that's why I think ABC canceled it. When it comes to ratings, when it's a 0.0 to a 1.0, 1.1, even all the way up to maybe even a 1.4, those are shows, depending on the time slot, that are always on the bubble and always going to be on the bubble as far as making a decision whether or not to renew or cancel them, as far as a broadcast network is concerned. When you go to 1.5 to 1.9, you're talking about a little bit of a better opportunity, a little bit better chance, and then it goes up from there as far as ratings. I will ask Jessica, when it comes to Designated Survivor, they did find a new life being picked up by Netflix. Designated Survivor did prove the notion that profits don't necessarily save a show as far as Netflix in concern, especially on ABC. And it didn't save Quantico either. It had the same ratings as Designated Survivor is having this year. Maybe it's a good thing it got saved on Netflix but I'm guessing the serialized nature of it, there was also behind the scenes problems going on with that show. There was showrunner changes. And that's never a good sign when that happens. I know the most stable of programs usually have a consistent theme or a consistent line of one showrunner, two showrunners, but not very many changes at the top in direction. And when you have something like that for a show that hasn't been on that long, yeah, I can definitely see the problems there. Out of curiosity, I just want to make sure and ask you, are there some other shows that were on ABC that you were surprised that were either kept on or taken off in regards to some of the decisions that were made as far as the upfronts are concerned? Um, I'm not sure about pickups and cancellations, but I was surprised about about the pilots they picked up this season. So a lot of the pilots, especially the comedy ones, they were magnificent. They had so many good comedy pilots this season. They had a show starring Alison Hannigan and Jennifer Goodwin, but they didn't pick up any of them. And I was so shocked and disappointed. And the only comedies they ordered were just two or three new comedies, none of which have garnered my interest, unfortunately. 
maybe my opinion will change by the time September comes. But for now, I, I really am not interested in any of that. Jessica, they are heading towards more of a dramatic type nature because of the fact that they did pick up a lot of dramas. Is that correct? They're going more towards the the success of the revivals, more or less, with the comedies. Where on the other hand, they are chasing after This Is Us's success with a million little things, marketing the emotional aspect. They're oh. also marketing Nathan Fillion's star power with The Rookie. I noticed that. That was one of the big trailers that was shown out this week in regards to the upcoming television shows. I know that The Rookie was one of them. NBC. NBC has made some decisions that, for good or bad, have uh, worked out for the station. With them, it's kind of a feast or famine. Some of their shows really hit well with audiences, and some of them just can't even chart. Your opinion on some of the upfront decisions that were made in regards to NBC, and what is their outlook, you think, for the at least the short-term future for this upcoming season? One thing really did stand out. I'm sure a lot of people have noticed this. The entire Wednesday is now a Chicago night. Now, one thing that is really going to help them is the crossovers. Every year, they always have either all three of them or one or the other, like Chicago Med will do one with Chicago Fire. I think it streamlined the whole process for them. They don't have to worry about the nights and continuity issues. So that's one good thing for them. And another thing I've noticed is they renewed Blind Spot and the Blacklist. And they're putting them on Friday. And from what I understand, they're basically just syndication fodder, like CBS. They're doing the whole CBS maneuver. And you know what? That's good for them. Let them get the money. But as for the comedies, the comedies, oh my God. I don't think they did a good job this time. They only put one new comedy through in the fall. I don't think it's a good fit for the network. Well, that leads to a bigger question. And I'll ask Jessica this. Do you think that comedies as a whole because you've indicated now a lot out of curiosity about comedies not being picked up do you sense that this is a theme that networks are actually maybe leaning a little bit away from comedies unless they are surefire hit with maybe a big star attached or something like that do you do you see a sense of comedies maybe being de-emphasized in this era of television I don't necessarily think that there is a de-emphasis in comedies as ABC is going through a comedy expansion. I don't necessarily think there's a de-emphasis in comedies as ABC is going through comedy expansion. However, that may not be the case in all networks. CBS cut one hour of comedies for the Magnum P.I. reboot, especially since their money comedy night is not working. Thursdays on NBC, they're going to continue to be low-rated and will embrace is in decline ratings-wise. And Superstore can only be solid in once during the fall. Otherwise, their solid nights are going to be on nights where The Voice is located and the All-Chicago night. The Voice being unscripted with like one drama attached or This Is Us attached and a new drama, and Wednesdays being all three of the Chicago's. That's most likely their solid nights, while Friday is just basically their their low-rated syndication farm and dateline. I will say this. It's been great having you on the show. Once again, it is Jessica Boggs and Out of Curiosity from the TV Ratings Guide. 
you got to check out the tvratingsguide.com today for all the latest news and information on the TV rating scene, plus reviews, articles, in-depth analysis, renew cancel indexes, original scripts and programming from the TV Ratings Guide. You got to check it out today. There's no excuse. tvratingsguide.com for the latest news and information on the TV ratings world. Out of curiosity, Jessica, it's been so great having you part of the show as always. Cannot wait to talk more television with you. Just great having you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford along with my good friend Josh Peterson. We do thank you so much for listening to us each and every week on our programs. Josh, before we head on out, something that's really hit you within the music scene about maybe an artist or a band or bands, you know, it could be more than one that have left in your eyes a little bit too soon. As I mentioned before, a lot of the bands that I like, they broke up and then they got back together. Thrice, Hope's Fall, who I had the pleasure of interviewing, they, um, they're back together after spending some time with their families. There's a few bands here that I did really like as a teenager, and they kind of disappeared too soon. At the top of the list here, I got a, a British metalcore band called An Ocean Between Us. They had a, a five-song EP that came out. It was really good, and the singer had a, an amazing voice. They broke up, and he went on to do some like classic rock-sounding things, which is popular over there. But I was always disappointed that I didn't get to hear anything else from them. The other one, another one I have is called The Dream, The Chase, and they are, uh, you probably know the lead singer of this band is now in a band called Young Lions, which gets a lot of play on, uh, they used to get played on K-Rock a lot down here, but they were also a screamo band, and they had a five-song EP, did really well, then the band just couldn't function together, so they broke up. Each of the people in the band have their own projects now. Last on the list here, I got My Chemical Romance, so this is probably one that a lot of people have heard of, and they were really on top of their game for a long time, built up a huge fan base. And then their last album, they got a little too experimental. And then it just wasn't as good. It's called like the life of the killjoys or something like that. And then it just was not as good as their, like the black, they, the black parade blew up. It completely blew up. It's played on the radio constantly. There are so many different renditions of it. It was one of the most covered songs on the internet. And then I just think they reached a point where they got so big that they could not top that. So what else do you do? They they tried to come out that their experimental Life of the Killjoys album didn't do as well. Didn't do anywhere near as well. And then they all went their different their separate ways. Gerard Way now has his own musical projects. One's like an 80s pop band that he does. And he also writes the comic book Umbrella Academy, which is just got adapted into a an anime series for Netflix. So you can be on the lookout for that. But yeah, they were um, definitely a band I wish I could see more of, and I hope that maybe they'll come back to a little reunion tour. Who knows? Maybe give us a a new album. But then you again, you have bands like Rage Against the Machine. Same thing. They hit Battle Los Angeles was like a huge Grammy winning album, 
and they never they could never they came out with what renegades after that and they just could never meet the success of their last cd and they just they did a couple reunion shows but they just never wrote anything again because they were never able to top that fame ever again what about you though killing in the name of is still a great song that gets played all the time and deservedly so i couldn't agree with you more on that Uh, that was a great list I know Rob McCallum would tell you, Kitty, the subject of one of his latest documentaries, Origins and Evolutions, they have talked about getting back together, but at this point in time, they are not together, so I know he would go with them. For me, uh, you know, obviously this goes way back, even before my time, but the Beatles, obviously they broke up too soon, and yes, I know they've done many projects with and without each other that have been very successful as solo artists as with other groups and whatnot but still seeing their magic with the beatles ended way too prematurely i know that everybody that loves the beatles or even likes the beatles or knows the beatles know that that happened so it was a shame to see them break up way before their time should have but one group that i think probably broke up way way too soon They broke up at the height of their popularity and broke up because of all the wrong reasons, because of interpersonal squabbling between brothers and just basically ill will towards each other. Oasis with the Gallagher brothers. Those two made such great music together. Oasis, they were killing it in the 90s and really it looked like they were going to become one of the dominant bands of the well earlier part of this century and could still have been something great today. Their music really struck gold for a short period of time. They were on top of the world. And because like I said, of interpersonal squabbling between siblings, they just broke up way too soon before their time. And I know that fans out there have, have asked for decades now for them to get back together and they've been resistant they're one of the most remastered bands out there and they just had they had like documentaries come out about them every year it seems like exactly and bittersweet symphony is still played so much to this day and they were a group that really scored it big on the charts and just you know it's that old rock story where you you know they get the big fame of fame and the fall is just the fall of falls. Uh, it's just one of those great rock stories that we've seen so many times where they reach a height that very few have reached. They just get into the excesses of rock and roll and, and it costs them. And this time it was just all about egos. And so not necessarily drugs or significant others or anything of that nature. It was just about all about egos, man. And unfortunately, it was to their undoing. Did you ever listen to Chevelle? Not too much, but yes, I did. So they they were three brothers in the same band, and then the one of the brothers got too, I guess, too big for himself, and he he uh, caused the band to almost split up. So the the singer and the drummer stayed together, and they wrote an album called Venusera, which had a new bass player on it. But that whole album was just the lead singer bashing on his brother for the for trying to take all the legal rights from from them for their music. And I will tell you now, there's two others, like, for instance, uh, Gwen Stefani. Yes, she's doing great. Um, obviously, she's doing great on The Voice with Blake Shelton and all that. But remember, she was a part of No Doubt, and that was something that they were really killing it in their time. But uh, she's done so so big on her own that I never see that a reunion like that happening. And Fergie, she was 
doing very well with Black Eyed Peas, and they were making such great music, and they all split up, tried to do their own thing, and they were all doing okay for a while when they were on their own, but they're a group that I think broke up well before its time as well. So, so there's a lot of bands like that over the years that just through egos, through various things, various infighting have broken up and it's been to their detriment, but it's also been to the music fans detriment as well. If you have any ideas out there, please share us your thoughts on bands that you liked that left us way too soon and left the music scene way too soon because we'd love to hear from you. You can just give us a shout out, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Josh, coming up on Friday, it's the PCC Multiverse, and you know what we're going to be talking about, my friend. It's Solo. It's coming up Memorial Day weekend. It is Solo, a Star Wars story, and I am psyched to see the movie. How about you? I'm even more excited about the news of a possible Obi-Wan movie. That it's not officially announced, but sounds like we might finally get our wish to see what old Obi-Wan was up to. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Do you like movies? Do you like TV? Do you like discussing the temporal effects of non-linear time travel and its implication on the plot of the movie Looper? Uh, okay. Do you enjoy the latest in pop culture news? Do you enjoy superheroes? Do you enjoy discussing the relative merits of superpowers and their effects on human physiology? Anyways, if you enjoy these things, even a small amount, you'll love the Rusted Robot Podcast. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube. And make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. TheRustedRobot.Podbean.com You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.